You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The greatest news to reach human ears is this fact. Jesus Christ is alive. It calls for a shout of victory. The words of Thomas Kelly goes like this, Come ye saints, look here and wonder. See the place where Jesus lay. He has burst his bands asunder. He has borne our sins away. Joyful tidings. Yes, the Lord is risen today. The resurrection is fully attested historical fact. First, we have first-hand proof from a host of people. B.F. Westcott said, taking all evidence together, it is not too much to say that there is no single historic incident better or more variously supported than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is fulfillment of Old Testament scripture and also the fulfillment of the words of Jesus. Paul gives a list of witnesses that witness actually witnessed him after his resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 to 8 Paul said for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, and of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. There Paul, of course, is referring to his experience on the Damascus Road when Jesus appeared to him. And Paul, a man who was out to destroy Christianity, when he met Jesus, turned his life around and became a follower of Christ and wrote most of the New Testament that we have today. You and I can add our testimony to that list as well. We have experienced a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The thrill of sins forgiven, his spirit dwells in us, and we can rejoice today because we know he's alive. We have that experience of talking to him. We have that experience of feeling his power and his presence in our life. We've experienced the healing power of his virtue as we have called to him in times of need. We have seen him direct our lives. We have seen him heal our marriages. We have seen him do everything. And we truly we can say, as the word says, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. 
God is a wonderful God. He's an awesome God. And he gave us his son so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. The hymn writer said, You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. The Bible says that the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so you don't have to guess whether or not you're born again. You know it. It's amazing. The spiritual witness that takes place in your life, the moment you say, Lord, I believe your word. I believe your word when it says I'm a sinner. I believe your word when it says your blood can cleanse me from every sin. I, I trust you to take me into your fold, to forgive me of all my sin, and I'll live for you. Something takes place in the spiritual realm that we can't really explain. But there's nobody can, can convince us that it hasn't taken place. There's nobody can convince me that I'm not born again this morning. Because the Bible says that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, I shall be saved. I've done that. I continue to do that. And I continue to experience that, that special uh, uh, sense of being born again. It's not religion. It's relationship. It's a real experience. It's personal. Nobody can live that life for you. Your mom can't do it. Your dad can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Your husband can't do it. Your children can't do it. It's got to be you. It's a personal relationship between me and my God. Amen? The witnesses had no incentive to give a false report. They themselves were unbelieving. You remember in Mark chapter 16, after he appeared to the eleven as they sat eating, and and he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not uh, them which had seen him after he was risen. It would cost them to continue to be disciples of Christ. They would suffer poverty, reproach, persecution, and even death. And yet, they could not remain silent. They had to speak forth what they saw and what they witnessed. Five weeks after Jesus was crucified, the book of Acts reports that thousands thousands of Jews were now followers of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verses Uh, 41, 47, and and chapter 4, verse 4, this is what we read. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 47 says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Chapter 4, verse 4 says, But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. There was revival taking place right after Jesus went back into heaven. Why would religious people give up beliefs that they had been taught since they were children and embrace a new religion, a new way of living? The risk, and, and they were risking social persecution and, and if, they believe, if they believed 
what they were believed pre uh, previously, they were also risking their eternal destiny. But they had an experience with God. The very thing that Jesus hung on the cross for, the very thing that he was buried and rose again for, had taken place in their lives. And they couldn't care less what anyone said or did. They were going to serve and testify for Jesus Christ. The resurrection is our basis of faith and hope. Peter, 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, and now we live with great expectation. The King James Version says, a living hope. Amen? We have a living hope, a lively hope, great expectation. The Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It doesn't, it doesn't mean I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Or I hope I get a raise in pay. It's not that kind of hope. Or it's not the, I hope Pastor Hayward finishes early today. That's wishful thinking. These are wishes that have nothing to do with, with Christian hope. Our hope is rooted in faith in the Word of God. It means confident expectation. It's based upon what God has said. We know that God is true. His Word is truth. If He said it, that's the way it is. Our hope is real, it's alive, because Jesus is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our guarantee of eternal life. The price for sin is paid in full. No one need to miss heaven. There is no other sacrifice ever needed for sin. The once for all price has been paid. Sometime in your life, many of you have just bowed your head, closed your eyes, and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe what your word says. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Help me to be what you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Something similar to that. You may have said different words, but something similar to that. That very moment, that the instant that these words left your lips, you became a born-again believer. The miracle of the new birth took place in your life, just like Jesus said it would. The price was paid. Now, if you're like me, since you said that prayer, you've had to go back to God many times. You've had to say, Lord, I've messed up. Lord, I've sinned. Lord, forgive me. And God put a very special gem in the book of James, in the book of John, rather. And it says this. If we sin, it 
talking to the Christians. If we sin, if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And if I confess my sin, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse me from all sin. So I can live every day of my life justified in his sight. That means just as if I had never sinned. And the old devil can remind me of the bad things that I did in my past. But he's too late. The past is under the blood. My sins are washed away. Even though I've done things that it would cause me, if I were to reveal it to you today, it would cause me to blush. It would cause me to hang my head in shame. I can lift my head high. I can push my chest out and say, I'm a born-again believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've been saved. I'm forgiven. Amen. And it's all gone. I don't have to go around mourning over all of the bad things that I've done in my lifetime. The slate is clean. Jesus looks at me as if I had never sinned. And he don't have to die anymore. I don't have to do penance because I've sinned. All I have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. And the slate is clean. And do you know something? Sometimes, you remember sometimes when somebody does something to you and you say, well, I'll forgive him. I forgive him once, but... You know, like if he wasn't really serious, she wasn't really serious because they did the very same thing again. I'll never forgive them. God don't say, well, listen, if you're really serious now, you will never do this again. So I'll forgive you right now, but make sure you don't do it again. God don't treat us that way. He says, if you sin, 70 times, seven times a day. And you come back and say, forgive me. I'll forgive you. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ for you and I. Now I got to find out where I was at. That's what you call getting off track. The resurrection of Jesus means that God's justice, wisdom, and inheritance, his inherited goodness, rather, will eventually be vindicated. A new and living hope flows forth from God's promises and those who proclaim them. It is the hope of an inheritance, the Bible says, incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away. It lasts forever. It's an eternal hope. So in, in, enlivened by such hope, we can view all things from a new perspective. Those who are alive in Christ receive eternal life through faith. We can view our life in light of eternity. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did good to a resurrection of life 
and those who have done evil to a resurrection of condemnation. I'm reminded of the story of the rich man and Lazarus found in Luke chapter 16. When a man dies without Jesus Christ, his soul and spirit goes to the abode of the wicked. And that happens at the moment of his death. Now, if I were doing a, 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 a funeral here today, right or wrong, we pastors try to be as compassionate and understanding of all of the people, the loved ones who have come to pay their last respects. So usually, I wouldn't say this at a funeral. But it needs to be said, and people need to understand it. Because this is the way it is. When a man dies without Jesus Christ, his soul goes to the abode of the wicked. His soul and spirit enters into hell. Jesus told the story of Lazarus and a rich man. The Bible says it was so that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That was in paradise. Remember Jesus? Jesus on the cross said to the thief who asked to be forgiven, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. We understand from the scripture that when Jesus went down into the grave, went down into that part of hell, the Bible says he led captivity captive. All of those people that were in that paradise were taken to heaven with him when he went to heaven. That part where Lazarus was, there's nobody there anymore. Lazarus is with Jesus right now. Okay? Just like the moment my old ticker stops beating, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen? But that's not soul for somebody who is not serving God. For a believer, those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, the moment they die, their soul and spirit goes to be in the presence of Jesus. Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. This is what his resurrection did for us. To the thief on the cross, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So when a person dies, immediately... The soul of that person either goes out of the presence of God or into the presence of God. What we are talking about in resurrection is a body that God has, that God has raised from the dead to join the immortal soul. There will be a bodily resurrection of both believers and unbelievers in a new kind of body. 
to meet the soul that has already gone to its destination. You're not in a holding pen somewhere. And the moment you close your eyes in death, there's no second chance. The Bible says absolutely nothing about the body of an unbeliever that is resurrected. Since the body of an unbeliever is never particularly detailed at all in Scripture, we can't even guess what it's like. But we know from the record told by Jesus of the rich man, he said, the Bible says, being in torment in hell, in Hades, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Do you know something? People say if God was a good God, he wouldn't do that to anyone. Well, God is a good God. And Easter is all about how good he is. He'd never intended for one soul to go to hell, to the lake of fire. He gave his only son that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But we do know something about the body of a believer in the resurrection that Paul has given us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you can read that. It's very plain, very clear. Even a child can understand it. It gives us some detail, and it's exciting. He begins with the resurrection of Jesus, and, and that's the ground for our resurrection. And then from there, he moves to ours. He closes the chapter with expressions of joy and victory. As I conclude this morning, I once read a group of a group of college kids who were coming home from a party. One of the boys pointed to the cross on the steeple of a church and said, Look, fellows, there's God's plus sign. How true it is. The cross is a positive sign for all of humanity. It represents the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It represents our resurrection as well. Christ is not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. He's not in the grave. He's alive. He is risen, just as he said he would. The worship team is coming back. They're going to lead us in that great song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Jesus said, John 14, verse 19, Because I live, you shall live also. Folks, this is what it's all about. This is the love of God. He's got tomorrow. He's got your future in mind. Even before you were born, 
Jesus hung on the cross for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, what a great day to make a decision to spend the rest of your life serving God. All you have to do is accept him. I'm going to ask if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior today to come. I want to pray with you. We'll give you some literature and help you in your new walk with Christ. This is a wonderful day. Remember when they put the stripes across Jesus' back and they beat him to a pulp. It was for your healing. If you have a need in your body, if you have a need in your marriage, if you have a need in your personal life in some way, God is able to take care of whatever problem you face today. Come, we'll pray with you. Because he lives, I've got a bright future. I can face tomorrow. Amen? Stand as the worship team leads us. Close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven, and let's just worship him. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.